Good morning. Y'all doing good? Today, I'm really, really excited talking about it because we are talking about the church. And we're talking about what the church is all about, what it should be all about. And we're primarily doing it from one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's the book of Acts we're going to be looking at today. And why I'm so stoked about this is because one of the things we're talking about in this entire series is why we do what we do. What is our vision? What is our strategy? Why do we do certain things certain ways? And why do we do this this way? And I'm really hoping that you guys, when you're interacting uh, over the messages over the next month, that you would text me questions about our church, about uh, maybe ask some questions about, hey, why do you do this? And why don't you do this? And things of that nature. And I would love to be able to answer them. Because we're going to be in this series entitled Movement, where we're looking at the church. Now, here's the thing about this. When we started One Church five years ago, here's what we knew about Clarksville. That Clarksville didn't need another church. You know what I'm saying? In fact, some of you, you drove by Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, Assembly of God churches, Nazarene churches. Some of you drove by Baptist churches and Baptist churches, and Baptist churches, right? Because um, there's a lot of Baptists in here in the South. And, um, and, and I, you drove across a lot of different church buildings and church properties to a school. What is that all about? I mean, we knew when we launched this five and a half years ago that Clarksville really did need another church. But here's what we really wanted to do. We didn't just want to create a church where church people like to attend. We wanted to create, and this is our vision, we wanted to create a church where unchurched and de-churched people love to attend. Now, let me explain that just for a little bit, because a lot of times we throw out words and definitions, and we really don't really define them. Unchurched and de-churched, all right? An unchurched person is somebody who's never been to church before. It's somebody who just got the Bible, and they're taking the cellophane off of the Bible, right? They don't know the Bible stories. They don't know the traditions. They've really never been to church. And we wanted to create a church for people who've never been to church before. Again, who didn't know the stories, didn't know the songs, didn't know their way around Genesis and maps and all of this stuff, right? But we also wanted to create a church for de-churched people. And let me define that because that's a little bit more harder to define. But once I define it, you're going to go, oh yeah, that was probably me. A de-churched person is somebody who has been to church but decided I'm never going back. In fact, if I would do a poll in here... Um, you could, I mean, you, you'd say, you know what? I bounced out of church at maybe a certain age because of maybe how they treated you or how they treated somebody that you knew, or maybe you bounced out of church because it was boring or, you know, whatever it was. In fact, if you're on you version right now and you're following along, there's actually a poll that you can go on there and you can vote. Hey, why don't you think most people go to church? But here's the thing about this. Our dream five years ago was we wanted to start a church for people who have never been to church before. And we want to start a church for people who normally don't go to church. Now that's kind of odd because once they start coming to church, they're charged, right? It's just kind of, it's kind of weird, right? But that, that was our vision. That was our dream. We wanted to start a church 
For people, when they show up, you know what? They dress like I dress. They listen to the same music I listen to. They watch the same movies I watch. Um, They have the same struggles with their children. They have the same struggles um, with their stepkids or or divorce or remarriage or whatever it is. We wanted to start a church for people just like you and just like me. And we wanted to create a church for uh, for a group of people that didn't necessarily connect with the church, and we wanted to create that church. We wanted to make that church irresistible. Now, again, why would we create a church for people who don't go to church? Listen to this statistic, and I say this all the time because it's one of those things I have up in my office, and I dream about this. Listen to this. 88% of people in Clarksville, Montgomery County, don't go to church. 88%. Just think through that. That nine out of ten houses that you passed on the way here They're at home. They're not at church. And I think if if we would go to those 9 out of 10 people and we would ask them, hey, why don't you go to church? I mean, really, just why don't you go to church? Most of them would probably give us this answer. Church? Well, I don't go to church because church is for churched people. I mean, church, I mean, that's really not my thing. Church is for church people. And and, and here's the thing. I don't believe that. And our church doesn't believe that. And let me tell you the reason why is because if church is for church people, then Christianity is for church people, and Jesus came for church people, and there wasn't even a church yet. Hang out with me, okay? I mean, I believe that Jesus came to everyone. And he wants everyone to connect with him. But here's the thing. Here's the reality that you and I live in. Of those 9 out of 10 people, and those 9 out of 10 homes, the, I mean the 88%, here's what I know about many of them. They do believe in God. And they do, I, I think they do want to connect with God in whatever their definition of God is. But they don't feel like they can come to church to connect with God. And that just drives me nuts. Because of they, maybe they had such a bad experience or maybe they went to church and it, it, it seems like they were talking a different language and they didn't really understand it. And we don't want the church to be an impediment to connecting people with God. We believe that the church is the way to connect people with God. And we want to make that irresistible. Here at onechurch.tv, we're on a mission. We're on a mission from God. Blues Brothers, I'm just saying. We're on a mission, and here's our mission. We want to make people to take a second look at God and to take a second look at the church. That really is it. I mean, most people in our culture, they've kind of given up on the church, and they really don't know what to think about God. But we want to make people take that second look going, really? Is, is, is that what I thought it was? That's what we want. So that's what we're trying to do here. We want people to show up and say, you know what? I don't believe it. I don't understand it. I'm not, buy, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I, 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 you know, but you know what? I like these people. They're just good people. And even though I don't maybe vote the same way they do, or even though I may not believe the same way they believe, I have more in common, and I like hanging out with these group of people more than I like hanging out with my friends on Friday and Saturday nights that we have everything in common. They accept me. And I think I'm going to come back. That is our win. 
That's it. That's our charge. That's our mission. And I believe it was Jesus' mission. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts is kind of almost three-fourths away in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and... Thank you. All right, one more time. We're going to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. There you go. Cool, cool. Acts is all about action. All right? And what happens, it starts at the very beginning, and Jesus, he is getting ready to say his last words, and he's getting ready to go up into heaven. And this is Jesus' last words. All right? I love this. In fact, this verse really does give us a, uh, a, a pattern of what the entire book of Acts is going to unfold in this way. Listen to how Jesus says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my... What is a witness? Well, a witness is telling people about me everywhere. That's what a witness is. A witness is telling people about Jesus everywhere. And then he describes the everywhere. In Jerusalem, now stop right there. Jerusalem, primarily made up of Jews. All right? That's the kind of the Jewish capital city. All right? So Jerusalem, all Jews. And then he says, Jesus says, okay, once you're in Jerusalem, you're going to go to Judea. By the way, Judea, all Jews. All right, cool. And they're like, okay, Jerusalem, got it. Jews, good. Because all the people, all these disciples, they were Jewish. So we're going to Archon, cool. Judea, all Jews, good to go, good to go. Samaria, they're kind of half Jewish. They're kind of, kind of Jewish, okay? So they're kind of, kind of Jewish. So, okay, we'll do there. Good, kind of, good. And then to the ends of the earth. Time out. Whoa. The ends of the earth isn't Jewish. In fact, the ends of the earth is you and me. The ends of the earth is, is, is broader than just the Jewish, these, the, the Jews. It includes Jews and non-Jews. The Bible calls them Gentiles. And here's the thing. That's the pattern that Jesus gave them. And then Jesus went up to heaven. And did they follow it? The answer is no. What they would do is they went to Jerusalem and they got comfortable. And they're like, you know what? We're just hanging out with our Jew friends, right? Hanging out. And then God would allow persecution. And in Acts chapter 8, they scattered and then went to Judea and Samaria. And they stayed there. And they got comfortable. And they didn't want to go anywhere. And then God allowed persecution to come. And then ultimately, (laughs) kicking and screaming, they went to the ends of the earth. And today, in Acts chapter 10, we're going to see the ends of the earth illustrated. So if you got your Bibles, Acts chapter 10, we're going to be there in just a sec. But let me just say this as you're turning there. All right. At first, all the people who were coming to Jesus and becoming Christians were Jewish. The first Christians were Jewish. They knew the Old Testament. They already had half the Bible. They knew all of the stories. They knew about David and Goliath. They knew about Daniel. They knew about Gideon. They knew about Samson and they, they taught it on felt boards. They knew all of the stories. They knew all of the customs. They knew the language. They were religious insiders. They even had all the customs and they had meeting places. They would go to synagogues where Judaism happened and they would preach the gospel there. And it just happened to work out that all these new Christians were Jewish. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a sermon and 3,000 Jews came To know Jesus Christ. And they got baptized. And it's like, whoo, it's awesome. And kind of the assumption in the megachurch now happening in Jerusalem is that to become a Christian, you must first become a Jew. In order to become a Christian, you have to become Jewish. So now there's this conflict. 
It's the same conflict that you and I and many churches are having today across America. And it's this. Will we reach people or will we keep people? Will we reach people or will we keep people? Because of this Jewish mindset, they said, you know what? Let's just keep all the religious insiders happy. Because we already have our own language. We already know the customs. We already know the stories. And let's just keep it safe. And they thought it was exclusively for them. That the gospel, that the Bible, that the church was exclusively for churched people. The church was for the Jews. Much like this commercial parody points out. Y'all watch this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. <laughs> you know, we can laugh about that, but that is exactly what the mindset was in Peter and all the other Jews in that day. Is they thought, you know what, the church exists for me. And here's the thing that we're going to learn today, that the church is more than just me. In fact, the church is more than just us. That the gospel was never intended to just to be for a select group of people. That the good news was meant to be the more than just Jews and more than just Christians or more than just church people. It's meant for all people. And here's the point we're going to be getting at and looking at today. That if you want to grow in Christ, then you must go out of your comfort zone. I mean, your growing up is tied to your going out. This is a spiritual principle, but we see this all the time in nature. When water stops moving, it becomes what? Stagnant. And what grows in stagnant water during the summertime? Blood-sucking mosquitoes. That, that, is, that is the truth. And here's the thing about this. I, I end up, uh, I, I, this is a quote from Bill Willits. I end up going, um, going to a conference about a month and a half ago, and he says this. The most toxic people in the church are the people who are least engaged in telling other people about Jesus. Because they think it's all about me. And that is what we're going to see with Peter. Peter and, and, and kind of his group and his band, they got comfortable. And I never see in the Bible that God calls us to comfort. Never. I see him calling us out of our comfort zones. Because if we want to grow, then we must go. And if we, may, and if we say no when God says go, we're going to stop growing. That's huge. So, we're going to see Acts chapter 10 verse 1, that God is interested in everyone, even people who don't have a relationship with him, even people who don't know Jesus. This is what we're going to look at. In Caesarea... There lived a Roman army officer. How many of y'all are in the army or know somebody in the army? 
All right, that's everybody, right? A Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. Now, Cornelius, he is a captain, all right? He's a centurion, and that means he, is, he has 100 soldiers underneath him. This guy lived in a beautiful place 45 miles north of Jerusalem called Caesarea. Now, here's a picture of Caesarea. It's a coastal city right on the Mediterranean Sea, and it's gorgeous, all right? So this guy, Cornelius, who's not a Jew, he's a Gentile, and even worse than that, he is part of the army that's occupying this land. He is there. By the way, give, give you a heads up. He was a Roman centurion. The people who killed Jesus, who literally drove the nails in his hands, those were Roman centurions. So these are the same groups of people that killed Jesus. All right? So it says he was captain of the Italian regiment, verse 2. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God he prayed. You see that? He prayed regularly. Look at verse 3. It says this. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel coming towards him. Now, let's just start about this. Cornelius is praying to God. Let me just say this. When you pray regularly to God, irregular things will happen in a regular way. And what's so cool about this, God hears sincere prayers, even the prayers of people who aren't yet connected to him. You see, Cornelius saw an angel. Let me tell you guys, I have a master in theology. I've never seen an angel. Ever. All right? But here, Cornelius, who's not yet connected with God, even though he's trying to worship God in his own way, he doesn't know anything about Jesus. Nothing about Jesus. He just just believes in God. And that's how most Americans are. Did you know that 95% of all Americans believe in God? That they believe in this higher power? Though it probably isn't the God of the Bible, they believe in some type of God. And that's how this captain was. He knew about God. He was seeking after God. And God's people should have been telling him about Jesus. But they weren't growing because they weren't going. Because God's people, the Jewish Christians, because they're not going out, God sends an angel to this Gentile Roman seeker. One afternoon about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. I'm going to keep on going. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor, look at this, have not gone unnoticed by God. Quick question. Do you think God notices people who aren't yet connected to him? Yes. Do you believe God notices and cares for people who aren't yet in church yet? Yes, he does. Do you believe God wants everybody to have a relationship with him? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I mean, God loves, loves this guy, and yet this guy knows nothing about Jesus. We're going to keep on going. Look at verse seven, 5 and then 7 and 8. It says this, Now send some men, talking the angels still talking to Corny, send some men down to Joppa. To find a man by the name of who? Simon Peter. And after the angel left, Cornelius sent two of his servants off to Joppa. Now, what, if I was the angel, what I would have expected to do is I would have told, if I was the angel, I'd said, let me tell you about Jesus. And show him how to get to heaven. But the angel didn't do that. You want to know why the angel didn't do that? It wasn't the angel's job. Whose job was it? Peter's and everybody else's. 
It was the first century believers. Let me tell you, God's not going to do something for you if he's calling you to do it yourself. When he says, listen, I want you to do this and you obey me, he's not going to circumvent that obedience process. And here, what we're going to see, we see Cornelius, who's this seeking lost person, and we'll get ready to see Peter, who's this very comfortable found person. He's kind of kicking back. In fact, what the found person doing, Peter? He's thinking about lunch. What some of y'all are thinking about right now. Let's look at it. Verses 9 and 10. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the city, Peter was up on the flat roof to pray. I mean, they used this flat roof, kind of like how we use decks today. It's high and the breeze would come in. So he's up on the roof and he's praying. It was about noon and he was hungry. Not hungry. Don't mispronounce that. It's hungry. All right? And now, notice, it's the centurion that's going to be reaching out to Peter. Not the other way. Peter is doing his very, very pious, let me pray, and he's hungry. All right? So, interesting. This is what, he's thinking about lunch, verses 9 and 10. Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Again, has anybody ever prayed and, you, and, and as you were praying, you fell asleep? Anyone? Am I the only person in here? If you are like that, Peter's the same way. He's hungry, and he starts praying, and he's like... And he starts dreaming. He falls into a trance. And in this trance, look what happens. But while at lunch, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down. I mean, think about this as like a big giant tablecloth or picnic blanket by its four corners. And in this sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. How many of y'all have ever heard of Bear Grylls? All right. I mean, this dude, he's out in nature, and he's, like, eating everything. He's taking moss and eating it, right? And he's, like, killing, like, skunks and somehow eating those and yet not getting stinky. I don't know how he does it. I'm thinking, dude, even though I know you can eat that and kill that, should you? I mean, really? Um, that's kind of how the Jewish mind works. How many of y'all have ever heard the word kosher? All right, most of us, right? You see, the, the Jews had a very strict dietary law that if it wasn't kosher, that means if it wasn't clean, they wouldn't eat it. And there was a list of all kinds of different animals, pigs and shrimp and all the stuff that they wouldn't eat. And they took great pride in not eating that. But yet, in this big tablecloth, God is showing him, listen, in all the pig, I mean, all the stuff, I want you to get up kill and eat. In other words, the Lord is saying, it's time to change your mind. It's time to change all of that. It's time for something new, Pete. There's a new way of approaching your faith and there's a new way of approaching other people because this goes way beyond just ham sandwiches. Look at this. Verse 16, the same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was pulled up again to heaven. And I'm thinking, really? It took him three times? I mean, think about it. Jesus denied, uh, Peter denied Jesus how many times? I mean, this dude has like three on the brain. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's just arguing with God and it takes him, God, three times to go in, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is. But he gets in there and this vision really has very little to do with food and everything to do with people. Because here's the gig. In the Jewish mind, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, pretty much us, we were inferior. In fact, they would call Gentiles dogs. They were considered unclean, non-kosher. 
In fact, Jews wouldn't even walk on the same sidewalk with a Gentile because they would think, you know what, I'm going to catch their uncleanliness. They didn't associate with Gentiles. They even, didn't even eat with Gentiles. Peter had refused to go outside to people even though Jesus said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. Peter's mindset was that Christianity was exclusively for the Jews. Religion was for religious people. Church is for church people. And it was all about me church in his mindset. So Peter is puzzled. He's scratching his head. And look at what it says in verse 17. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. And he's on the top of the of this house and he hears this he looks down and he sees these roman guards these centurions now think about it. these are the same people that killed jesus and open up what is, what's going through peter's mind right now this is it I, I i might as well i didn't get to get my last supper i'm still hungry i'm getting ready to die but look at this look at what god says to peter get up Go downstairs, and what is that next word? Go. Everybody say go. That was, that was awful. Let's say it one more time. Go. One more time. Go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. I mean, do you see God's work in here? God is connecting the dots. Got Cornelius over here who really wants to follow God but knows nothing about Jesus. Peter, who knows all about Jesus, but he's just, he's just too comfortable. He's wanting to go to old Charlie's, right? And God's going, do, 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 and he's connecting the two towards them. I mean, Peter, when he gets to the house, when he gets to this house, he sees all of these people in Cornelius' house. He see, and nobody's Jewish. Everybody is Gentile. I mean, none of these people are Jewish. None of them are religious. None of them know the Bible. None of them know the Bible stories. None of them have went to the synagogues for the religious gatherings. I mean, and none of them are there. And it finally clicks in Peter's mind what the vision's all about. Look at verse 28. Peter told them, You know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. Peter's saying, you know what? This is going really against what I've been taught, what I've been told. But look at this. But God, I like that. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. There it is. Peter finally got it. He learned the vision. That You know what? And what's so amazing, he had to go before he started growing in his knowledge of what God really wanted to do. And some of you, that's how it's going to be. God's going to tell you, I want you to go with these. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't know all the stuff. And you know what? When you start going, you will start growing. It's a fact. And that's what we see happen here. Look at verse 34. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly. You see, he didn't see clearly two days ago. He's like, he's perplexed going, man, I'm really hungry. But I see very clearly that God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts accepts men and women from every nation. Everybody say every nation. Every nation who fear him and do what is right. You see, up to this point, when Peter thought about the we, the people of the church, he only thought about me. The people who are like me, who have my values, who dress like me, 
who speak like I do, who are religious, people who go to church, people who vote like I do, people who have my morals, who watch my movies, who watch my television, all of that stuff. But what God is showing Peter is that you becoming a weed doesn't make it all about me. And that's our big idea today. Becoming a we doesn't make this about me. Because church isn't about keeping people. It's about reaching people. Church isn't about keeping people. It's about reaching people. One of the things that we regularly see here at One Church is new faces. In fact, some of you should have gotten a letter in the mail this week that we have seen over 66 new families show up here at One Church in the past three months. That's exciting. That is so cool. We're always seeing new faces. And I love seeing new faces. Because again, we see a lot of people in our community who need Jesus. Even though I love that part of it, let me tell you the part I don't like about our church. is seeing really great faces that you've grown to know and love when they leave. And we see that a lot too. Man, we've already had one couple in our community group right now who's, who has left over in the past six months. They've moved to South Carolina. We've got another one who's getting ready to PCS. Um, I've got, I got great friends in this church who they've been with us for four and a half, five years. And Uncle Sam's getting ready to move them on. I mean, just on this stage alone, we've seen a lot of new faces. And, you know, I, I love the new faces, but the old faces, I'm like... I don't want you to go because I got relationships with them and I love them. They're my best friends in the world. But the thing I have to remind myself that this isn't about me. And it isn't even about we. It's about me, we, and they. Because I believe that God longs to have a relationship with everyone. It's about the 12% here in Clarksville who go to church. And who love singing and love coming and love know the people who know the stories and know the traditions. We want those people. But we also want the 88% of the other people who don't know the stories and don't know what to say. And sometimes drop the wrong words at the wrong times and it makes people look. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? All right. Um, uh, and, and, and who don't know the traditions and don't know the customs. We want to get all of them together and say, let's talk about God. Let's talk about Jesus Christ. I mean, hear me. What we do here on Sunday mornings, I mean, we don't talk about some words. I mean, we talk about the meanings of them, but we don't throw the words out. I mean, sanctification, ecclesiology, soteriology, propitiation, justification. I mean, all of these, some of you are like, what did you call me? I know. You see... I know the meanings of every one of those words. I can read and speak Hebrew and Greek. Now, I'm telling you that I can, I can come in here and I can go agape and eros and phileo. I can do all that. And some of you would leave going, I have no idea what he said, but he's really smart. Let me tell you, my job isn't to impress you. If, if, if you want to be impressed by a preacher, you know what? You're probably going to need to go to another church. Because let me tell you what my job is. It isn't to make it deep for you so that you go, I have no idea what he said, but I'll be back. My job is to put the cookies on the bottom shelf and to get you reading the Bible when you're not in this building. 
That's my job. In fact, uh, the Wheaton professor, Dr. Gilbert Bazilkian, he said it like this. The way you talk about the Bible on Sunday mornings will determine their interest in the Bible during the week. And that's huge because one of the things that we want to do is we want to get everybody reading the Bible because we believe you start reading the Bible, your relationship with God will grow huge. My job as a communicator here at One Church, everybody's job who's on this stage, is we've got to make the Bible accessible to everyone. And we want to present the scriptures in a helpful way. And when we do that, we've removed an obstacle. Back to Acts chapter 10. Last verse we're looking at. Peter opens his mouth and he tells the unchurched, irreligious people at Cornelius' house not about a denomination, not about a label, not about traditions or preferences. This is how we've always done it. He talks to them about, let's look, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to witness that there it is. Who are we supposed to be talking about? Jesus. Who are we supposed to be going, hey, this is what this is all about. This is what you need. It's Jesus. He ordered us to preach everywhere. Peter finally got it. Oh, yeah. Acts 1-8. Should have been doing that. Dang. All right? Witness that Jesus is ordained. He's chosen of God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. That's right, Pete. Jew and Gentile, unchurched, de-churched, church. There's the principle at work. Now, As we close, what does this have to do with you and I today? Great story, but really, practically, what's the point? And here's the point. I'll tell you that five years ago when we started this church, we believed this story. Because we believe that the church and the gospel and the good news is for everyone. Not just the people who know it all and who know the stories, but for everyone. This this message isn't just reserved for church people. We believe that this message is one for unchurched people. People who used to go to church and saying, I don't think I'm going to go back. People who've always been at church. And we ask questions like this. How can we make Wonderland, our preschool environment, fun? How can we make it safe? Now, let me tell you, we want to make Wonderland safe, not so that safe Christians can bring their safe children and have a safe time. All right? That's a reason, but it's not just the reason. Let me tell you the reason why we want to make it fun and safe. Because one day, somebody that you know and love is going to show up here at this church, and they're going to be looking for a reason never to come back. And they're going to show up with their baby in their arms, their precious baby, And they're going to really feel a lot of hesitation handing their baby over to somebody they don't even know. But there's going to be somebody back in our Wonderland environments who said, you know what? I understand what you're feeling right now. And you do whatever you do. We're here for you. We want to let you know this is the best, safe, fun environment for your children. And in this environment, they're going to learn that God loves them, God made them, and that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. We want our children's environments to be second to none. We want it to be like Disney World every Sunday. We want parents to come in hating this church, but they're going to come back next week because their mom, their kids are going to be waking up, mama, 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 mama. Anybody ever? You're like, please change my name. All right? Daddy, daddy, where are we going to church today? We're going to go back to that other church? The church we just went to last week, can we go back? Ha, 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 ha. I want kids waking up their parents who don't really care nothing about God 
to say, you know what? Well, I guess we're going back because our kids loved it. Let me tell you, the reason why we create environments for our teenagers on Wednesday nights at Relevant Students is we want to create an environment where when our students invite their, uh, their student friends at, at high school or in middle school, that they show up and their friends engage and they like it. And it's like, wow, this is fun. The reason why we spend a lot of money with camps and retreats and all of this stuff is we want to create a place where both kids who've grown up in church and kids who've never been to church can feel like they both can connect with God. The reason why we, why we spend money on coffee isn't so that we can have a bunch of caffeinated Christians who get crazy at worship. Right? However, that might not be a bad thing. Right? And let me tell you the reason why we do that. It's because we believe there's going to be people showing up who are looking for an excuse to never come back, whose walls are, are high and they got their defenses up and they're like, man, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really uncomfortable. And they go and they're, they're giving away coffee and how much do I owe you? It's free. No, seriously. There's always strings attached. No, it's free. And we just want you, at that moment, coffee doesn't save them, but they start letting down their guard. And they're going to come in here where they're going to hear a message that God isn't mad at them, but madly in love with them. It's, it's the reason why we do what we do up here on Sunday mornings. You know, uh, it's so funny. Um, a lot of people have these preconceived notions about what church should be like. You know what I'm saying? And the smells. and Because everybody's kind of been to church when they were, you know, we, you went with your grandmother or whatever. And again, I, I did as well. All right? But when, when somebody's invited them to church and you're like, yeah, I'm, I, church isn't for me. No, 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 no. This is not like a church you've experienced before. I remember my wife... Um, uh, there was this lady that she was teaching piano to, and she was Buddhist. And my wife said, why don't you come to church with us? And she was like, I don't know, and you ought to come. So she showed up one Sunday, and in very broken English, after the church service, Kim Founder says, what did you think? And this lady says, well, it wasn't like any church I'd ever went to. It was more like a rock concert. That's what we want. It really is. It's, it's, I'm not saying that we have to have lights and haze to worship. Of course we don't. I know some of you are like, I wonder how much money that cost. Right? That's not the whole point. You see, it's not about me. We want people, when they come through the doors, to take a second look at God in the church. And go, anybody ever done that? You take a second look at something? Maybe you're going down the interstate and you're like, what? Right? Or, or maybe you're a guy and you took a second look and you should have. You shouldn't have. You know what I'm saying? All right. Or you, you saw a wreck on the interstate and you're like, whoa, what happened? We want people to go like this with God. I thought God was this way. But I come to this place and I hear he's something totally opposite. I think I want to connect with him more. Or they think, you know what, the church has to be this. And they, whoa, I didn't know this could be this way. That's huge. We want to change their preconceived ideas about what God and the church is. And that's huge. And let me tell you, it, we don't do this because it's easy. We had um, the lady who's running Soundforce, her name is Christy. She was here on Friday morning while school was in setting stuff up. We had people here last night setting stuff up. At six o'clock in the morning, we had people here setting stuff up. Dear Lord, Right? And we don't do it because it's easy. We don't do it because it's cheap. We do it because we know this, that we know that somebody that you love, a Facebook friend, a family member, 
a coworker, somebody that you just kind of have a casual relationship with, they're going to show up. And they're going to be looking for a reason never, ever to come back and to turn their back, not just on one church, but on God. And we want them to take a second look at God and to rethink, wow, is church, does it have to, we don't do any of this because it's cool. We do it because we want people, unchurched and dechurched, to hang out here. All right? Let me give you a challenge, and then I'm done. And this is a challenge. Very simply this. And, and, and Patrick Fowler, who's getting ready to come out on stage. Patrick, come on out if you wouldn't mind. Um, Patrick, he gave me, after reading this, he says, this is what you ought to end on. And this is what he said. He says this. When is the last time you decided to be in a group where you were uncomfortable being in that group, but you were there because God called you to be there, not because you could get anything out of it. Let me repeat that again. When was the last time you decided to be in a group where you were uncomfortable with those people, but the reason why you were there because God called you to be there, not because you could get anything from them? You see, in this whole story, I believe the whole point of this story really wasn't about Cornelius' conversion. It was about Peter's conversion. Peter had to rethink. And one of the things I'm praying that you would do with us today, rethink, rethink this whole idea about, you know what, it always has to be this way, or it has to be my preferences, or it has to be, there's, when it comes to the church and the Bible, there's, a, there's very little has to be's. The biggest thing it has to be is connecting with everyone. Jesus' mission I came to seek and to save that which was lost. All right, a couple of questions and I'll be done. Can you discuss the groups that are held on Sunday nights? And yeah, absolutely I can. Um, I'll tell you this. We have small groups here at one church. And one of the things that, he'll come on now, I like that. That's sweet. I will tell you this. If you, have, if you could give us only one hour, I would prefer you not show up on Sunday morning, but you go to a community group. Because we believe that life is done better in circles, not in rows. See, here's what, I know some of you, and I can embarrass you, but I won't, but you don't know the people behind you, and you really don't know the people sitting next to you, because this environment is not created for that. But let me tell you, small groups is a place where you can connect, and that's the whole point. So, I'll tell you, if you're interested in small groups, Patrick, he's our small groups pastor. Let me tell you what my boy Pat's going to be doing. Afterwards, Patrick's going to be at the giving kiosk right out there, and he's going to be there to answer any questions you have about taking that next step. We believe that the church is for everyone. And when you show up, there's, there are some people in here who you know all of the books of the Bible. And you know all of those, those big words I mentioned earlier. That's cool. I want you to know that. Um, but there are other people who know nothing. When I say David and Goliath, hey, you remember that story? They're like, uh-uh, I don't know that story. We want to get everybody in the room, and we want everybody to be challenged. But if you're the ones who knows all those big words, you're probably not going to be challenged in here. We want to encourage you to take your next step. And again, remember, you're going once you start going, you're going to start growing. And there are different other steps that, again, my friend Patrick can get you involved in, either leading a community group, leading a starting point orientation. There's all kinds of stuff you can be doing.